0: We're in the book of Judges. Okay, we're not in the book of uh, uh, British uh, royal uh, uh, history, but we're in the book of Judges. And my, and the sermon title I have today is, This is How We Vex God. Vex is a uh, uh, just a nice, cool, next-generation word for anger. All right, so this is how we anger God. This is how we vex God, whether I like it or not. And I I always like to preach, you know, uh, 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 inspirational, uh, power-filled messages. But we're in the book of Judges, and and the more I read it, I've read it a thousand times, I go, man, I'm not too sure, Uh, 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 not yet, Uh, I'm not too sure how inspirational this can be. But I want to try to balance between the anger of God and the love of God today. So I may be a little fired and brimstone today, but that's it. In the book of Judges, Judges number two. Okay, this is how you vex God. You know, as I study this uh, uh, book so many times, I just realized in a couple of weeks that Judges 1 and Judges chapter 2 is actually the introduction to the whole book of Judges. I never knew that when I was young because uh, I just can't can't get off how sad this book is. But Judges chapter 1 and Judges chapter 2 are the introduction of the whole book of Judges. So if you want to know uh, 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 the whole book of Judges, just read Judges 1 and Judges 2. And it's a a very nice summary, it's a very nice introduction to what will come. So I'm going to speak a little bit on Judges 1, and then I will go a little bit more in Judges 2. And from this week onwards will be the detailed explanation and the going in into uh, the story. story of the book of Judges and how how Israel have, you know, left the Lord and and it's a sad story. But as as always a good sermon, as I study the Bible, I love timeline. My brain works in chronology. Is that okay? That's how just my my God wired my brain. So I, I love to see things in timelines. I like to see chronology. I like to see how this book, Judges 2, fits into the whole timeline of Israel. So I drew it out. All right. So this is a very easy, uh, timeline of the book of uh, 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 Judges. You see, so we started from, from left to right. That's the arrow. Judges chapter 1, verse 1. It starts by saying Joshua died. All right, so who's Joshua? We've just finished the book of Joshua. We all know who Joshua is. Joshua died. You see, Joshua died. Um, and then, uh, uh, okay, well, I, before I go into, and then, I want to I wanna explain Joshua died and what he said uh, 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 before he died. Joshua chapter 24 Verse 15, where, where is it? Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, so this is Joshua's command to the, to the Israelites. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord or serve other gods. We will serve the lords. Before I even continue, I, because we finish the book of Judges and not finish the book of Joshua, and now we're in the book of Judges. I want to ask a question: When the people told Joshua that we will also serve the Lord, how do you think they kept their promise? Just, just a, just a quick one. Do you think they kept the promise? Yes. No. Okay. I'll answer that very soon. All right. Uh. Uh. So that this is the Joshua generation. All right. They said Joshua, we will serve the Lord. All right. So after the Judges one, one, one we then go to the first portion of the book of Judges. Judges 1 to 36, which is the whole book, uh, uh, the whole first chapter. The whole first chapter is actually explaining to us the Joshua generation. I just realized this a couple of weeks ago. All right, it's the Joshua generation. It's not the next generation yet. All right, how do I know this? It's the eldest generation because in Judges chapter 1 uh, verse 12, how do I know it's the Joshua generation? Because Caleb was still in the land. See, Caleb outlived Joshua. Joshua died at, at 110, 110 years old, and Caleb apparently outlived him. So, I don't know how, how old Caleb passed away, but Caleb was still fighting uh, the Canaanites and that season. So, I know that when Joshua passed, that he's speaking to his generation, his group of people. And then it says very clearly in Judges 2 uh, verse 7, it says, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. So apparently when Joshua at chapter, Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 when Joshua said as for me and my house I will serve the Lord what about you and when the people said we will serve the Lord too he is talking about the Joshua generation and the elders of that generation. So I want you to keep that in mind. That is not yet the young. It's not yet the next generation. It is still his generation in Judges chapter 1. All right. So we've heard Judges chapter 1 uh, two weeks ago uh, where they did uh, all sorts of things and I'll go in a little bit later. But after Judges chapter 1, we then immediately go into Judges chapter 2 where then God says, because of your disobedience, God rebukes you. Now I can't seem to find out which generation God is rebuking? Is He rebuking the Joshua and the elders generation? Or is he rebuking the next generation? The Bible never mentions. The commentaries and all the books that I've studied never mentions. And it led me to conclude that I think God is speaking to both generations. He's speaking to the generation that has not passed and he's speaking to the generation that is to come. And I think the next generation could be a little younger at at that time, perhaps my age, about 40 years old, right? At that time, because Caleb must have been more than 110 years old. So I think God was speaking to both generations and when God rebukes them, he says, you have disobeyed me and broke my covenant. Therefore, I am angry. I am vexed by you. That's Judges chapter 2. So this is a quick summary and then we go into the rest of the book of Judges. So Judges chapter 2, 6 to chapter 3, verse 6. Now in comes the next generation. How do I know? Because verse 10 says, after that whole generation had be gathered to their fathers, so after God rebukes the generations both generations so I think God was speaking to the older and to the younger and says, hey all of you, not just the older, not just the younger all of you, you have broken my covenant And then God says, okay now that the older generation, the Joshua generation, the eldest generation, now that you have passed on what happened to the next generation and that's just a summary of judges chapter one just to chapter two. Can I start with a word of prayer? I forgot to pray. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Lord Jesus, you are a good God. We know you are a good God. But all through the Bible, you are also an angry God. But you are an angry God not because you, you have emotions of anger that is unholy, but it's also because you love Your love drives you to love your people so much that when we break our covenant, Father God, you unleash your wrath because you cannot stand sin. You cannot stand unrighteousness and unholiness. So the anger of God burns throughout the the Israelites' camps. I pray, my prayer today is we catch hold of the Word of God into our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to us so that we know where we stand in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My title of the sermon is, This is How We Vex God. And I have three points, only three points. The first point is the will. How do we vex God? How do we vex God? Our will, our trust, and our heart. How do we vex God? Our will, our trust, and our heart. My initial, my initial uh, three points was, was a little cooler, but I thought, hey, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to explain. It's supposed to be will, it's supposed to be next. How do we vex God Next. Hex and Rex, all right? That was my first three points. Then I realized, no, I got a a lot of explaining to do. So it's will, trust, and heart, okay? I couldn't find something that rhymes. So here we go. What does it mean by your will? I want to read to you a portion from Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1 is this. So we want to bear in mind, how do we anger God? What stirs up the wrath of God? Verse 19, the Lord was with the men of Judah. So remember, this is the Joshua generation the eldest generation, the older one before they passed on to the next. The Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, which means the hills, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had iron chariots. Keep in mind, they were unable to drive. Did God say, go in and take the land? Yes. Did God say, I will give you the promised land? Yes. And if God says, I will do it, is God a second doubter of His word? No. Does God keep His promise? Yes. Will God make it come to pass? Yes. So what does it mean when they were unable to drive the people from the plains? Is it because God did not keep His promise? No. It has to be because we have no will to complete the task of God because we see the iron chariots. Next, verse 21. The Benjamites, however, failed to dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem to this day. The Jebusites live there with the Benjamites. They failed to dislodge the Jebusites. Did God say, I will give you, your enemies into your hands? Yes. Did God say, you will chase the enemies away from the land? Yes. Does God keep his promise? Yes. So what does it mean by they failed? They failed not because God failed. They failed because they did not have the will to complete the task. That's why they fail. The last one is the saddest one, verse 27. But Manasseh, is a tribe, did not drive out the people of Bashan or Tana'ak, nor Dor or Ibleim or Megiddo and their surrounding settlements. For the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. Why did they fail? Because the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. The enemy is determined. You see, how do we vex God? How do we anger God? And when God has spoken into your life and gave you a promise, that we have many promises in the New Testament. He has given you a promise. But we lack the determination. We lack the will to complete the task and see it through. Because I tell you what, when it says here, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that land, it is the same for us today. That the enemy is determined to steal your life. Did you not know that? The enemy is determined to rob your destiny and your purpose from you. Did you not know that? Your enemy is determined. But don't talk about Satan. As if it's, it's, it's always about Satan and Satan is the end all and be all. Your flesh is determined. Is your flesh determined? runned by Satan. Your flesh is your flesh. Your body is your body. Your will is your will. Your flesh is determined that you do not do the things of God. You know, we just came up from, from 40 days fast and pray, right? I, I'm not going to ask how many of you fasted and prayed, but I'm going to say this, that when we before we even commit to do fast and pray, I can guarantee you that every single one of us here we will always say, yes, I want to do it. I want to fast and pray. I want to I draw closer to God. I want to I I know the things of God. But the next day, our flesh will tell us, well, do you really, really? Do you really have to fast? Do you really have to pray? And then some of us go, okay, fine. We defeat that temptation and we actually go into the fast and pray. I know, I spoke to a few people. We couldn't keep it up because food was too tempting. There's sudden days that we're just tempted by food. I tell you, when we fast, you know, I, you, everybody knows my story. I guess now the whole church knows I'm fasting coffee, all right? Uh, so everywhere I go, uh, people are like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't drink coffee. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, on hindsight, I go, I'm grateful I told all of you. So now I have uh, 2,000 people who are my accountability partners. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, everybody is now, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm drinking coffee, but you cannot have some. I go, thank you very much. You're keeping me accountable. That's very good. But I tell you, there are days. I go into a coffee shop, you know, somebody's drinking coffee, mmm, The smell—it's. I'm telling you, it's tempting. You know the 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 need and the want to break that covenant, to break that promise to God that says, "God, I'm going to give up what I love the most in order to draw nearer to you." That that will sometimes fade. You know, I, I. How many of you? How many of us are watching the rings of power? How many of us know what the rings of power is? You are a holy church. Hallelujah. So good. <laughs> very, very good. The most unholy one is standing right here. <laughs> the, you know, the, there's a series that came out, Lord of the Rings, called the Rings of Power. All right, there's a new Lord of the Rings series. You know, our, our, um. So when it came out, uh, I don't know what episode they are in now, but it jogs my memories to the Lord of the Rings days. Remember in, in I don't know which movie, the first, second or third, right? Where uh, Elrond, the head of the elves, was at, at Mount Doom and the fire and Sildor was holding the ring. How many of us, you know the ring, Lord of the Rings? You know, right? Okay, this is not the Rings of Power. This is the original uh, uh, trilogy. And he was holding the ring. He's already cut it off from Sauron's hand. He was holding that ring. He was supposed to toss the ring into, the, into Mount Doom and forever evil will be vanquished. And Elrond, il was there. And Elrond was like, il Sildor, come on, throw the ring in. We've fought for centuries. Apparently, they fought for 3,000 years. We've fought for three, two, 3,000 years in order to get to this point. You now hold the ring of power in your hand. Toss it into Mount Doom. And il at that moment hold the ring, and says, why? Power is mine. And he left with the ring. And that's why we have Lord of the Rings. And they're still fighting to this day. And when Elrond recounts the story, what did he say to his fellow men? He says, men are weak. Men have no will to defeat evil. How many of us, we hold that ring of power, and when we want to do something good, we have no will to actually achieve it. We don't have that determination. How many of us can safely say, I am determined to have a prayer altar in my home every day. I am determined. I am determined to read the Word of God every day. I am determined. I am determined to make church my home. I am determined. We, we fall. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. You know, um, when, I, when I married my wife, obviously, Kim, um, we, I don't know if this is a covenant. I don't know if we cut covenant. Um, no blood was cut, don't worry. Um, I'm not too sure we cut covenant, but we made an agreement, all right? It's like a contractual agreement between us, that when we have kids, church is, not a, is uncompromisable. Church is uncompromisable. That hook or by crook, rain or shine, traffic jam or no traffic jam, online church or on-site church, it doesn't matter. We will attend church as a family together because we want to role model that to our children. And we want our children to know that God is not optional in our lives. You see, what is one lesson that we can learn here? One generation's compromise is the next generation's chaos. We all know that the next generation failed again and again and again. And if Judges chapter 1 talks about the Joshua generation, the elders' generation, then this quote has to be true. One generation's compromise is the next generation's chaos. One generation's compromise is the next generation's chaos. What does that mean? I want to talk to the older generation, and I want to talk to the younger generation today. You see, the younger generation... Always, without a shadow of a doubt, because I'm, I'm, well, I'm not that young, although everybody f- still thinks I'm very young, but I, I don't feel that young in my body anymore. <laughs> Just the truth be told, there's pains everywhere. I wake up in the morning, oh, there's creaks and pains. You know, I'm not 20 years old anymore. But like it or not, we look to the older generation as our role models. We do. Whether you like that authority, whether you like that crown of, of responsibility, That's just the truth. The young ones always look to the old. And just just in case you think I'm young, I'm looking to the old, it's not my fault, it's always the oldest one's fault, right? If I fall away from my faith, it's always the oldest one's fault. I want to speak to the young. The young generation here, whoever the next generation is, you have to be younger than me for me to call you next gen, right? Next gen. Your faith is your faith. Your spirituality is your spirituality. You cannot put a blame on anybody else if you fail to have spirituality. Because God will never, when you meet God one again, He will never ask you, how good was your father's faith? If your father's faith was good, welcome to heaven. Welcome. No. It's always, how good is your faith? And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. You, how good is your faith? So next gen, I know sometimes we look at the older and we go, oh man, you know, they they didn't, didn't live a super Christian life. You know, the hypocrites in church one kind, at home one kind. Fair enough, because we're all humans. We're all humans. But your faith is your faith. You need to find your faith. You cannot rest on the faith of your father. I can't rest on the faith of my father. Now, my father has his faith. My mother has her faith. And they're good faith. Good people, good faith. But I can't go to heaven and say, you know, my father's faith was good. He reads the Bible every day. Is that my ticket into heaven? That's never going to be your ticket into heaven. That's never going to be your ticket in order to have spiritual strength. So I want to say, both generations. If you're young, one day you will be the older generation. If you're the older generation, you're looking to the younger generation. And they will then be the older generation. I know in 10, 20 years time, I will be considered the older generation already. We cannot afford to live a life of compromise. We can't afford it. You see, to me, I think COVID-19 was a test for Christianity. Wasn't it a test? What is God testing? That in your time where you cannot meet as a group of people, are you still fervent? The second test, when you can meet as a group of people in church like this, Will you still meet? Will you still meet? I think it's a test. And if we, whichever age you are now in this place, if we tell our next gen that church is optional, what are we saying? God then becomes optional. If God is optional, then when the next generation are faced with a fork in the road, Should I do it God's way or should I go into the ways of the world? Their value system will tell them that God is optional. They will 100% choose the ways of the world. God versus Instagram. How to fight. How to fight your Instagram. I tell you, you get on your phone right now, go to your settings and find how many hours do you spend on Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp. I guarantee you it's more than five, six hours a day on all these apps. WhatsApp or Instagram on Facebook. And then I ask you a question. How many hours a day do you spend on the Word of God? You just do that comparison and you will know how much you have compromised your spirituality for the things of the world. So we cannot blame Joshua and his generation and the elders to say, you compromised. You allowed the enemy to live in the land. You failed to remove the enemy. The Canaanites were more determined than you. That's why you have no willpower. You are weak. At the end of the day, we are weak. You can't say they are weak. We are weak because we look at our lives and we go, where is God in your life? You know, I have to move to my second point but I'm still on my first. My first point is this. If the weapons of our warfare if we know that we are in a battle, we should all know we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a constant spiritual warfare. You know, for the last 50 days, I know I'm in a constant spiritual warfare. I can feel it. I know my spirit tells me. I don't want to go into it right now because I know then you will be here until 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. So I'll spare the details. Maybe next time I'll tell you. All right? But I know we are in a constant spiritual warfare. What is the weapons of your warfare? What are the weapons? There's only two weapons. The Word of God and prayer. The Word of God and prayer, I guarantee you. If you do not pray, if you do not know the Word of God, you don't, you don't, you have none of it memorized, you don't read the Word of God, then I tell you, you will 1000% lose the battle you've already lost the wall because you cannot fight. When the enemy comes up against you, just like judges chapter one, when the enemy have iron chariots, and even though God says you will chase them away, even though they have iron chariots, you can't win the battle because you have no weapons of warfare. So church, my first point is this, where is your will to have God in your life? Where is your willpower, your determination to say, I need the things of God? I need the things of God, otherwise, I will fail. Otherwise, the legacy that I live and leave on this earth is no legacy at all. Because your children and your children's children will be exactly like the book of Judges. They would fail, they would serve other gods, and then we would cry and say, Why is my son? Why is my daughter not in church? I want to encourage you. We need to have tenacity, will, uncompromising will to say, God, you are first. God, you are first. Which leads me to my second point. If you don't have the will, God says, man, you anger me. Because God is determined to save you. God is determined to fellowship with you. God is determined to give you all the weapons of your warfare. God is determined to speak with you through prayer. He's determined. He has made it so. The only part that fail is us, is me. We'd rather do the things of the world than do the things of God, which leads me to my second point. So my first point, I want to repeat, Will. One generation's compromise is the next generation's chaos. If you compromise your faith, and I really don't, it doesn't matter to me how old you are. If you compromise your faith, I could be 40 years old. What is my next gen? The 20 years old. I'm looking at the 20 years old as my next gen. If I compromise my faith and they are looking to me as a pastor and a leader, spiritual leader, I compromise my faith, 100% they will be in chaos. How many times have we heard when leaders fall, the sheep scatter. The sheep scatter. When fathers and mothers fall, the sons and daughters scatter. So we cannot afford it. We can't afford it. Because our hearts cry for the next gen. Oh, second point, second point. Trust. How do we vex God when our trust is not in him? I want to read from the book of Judges. Judges chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. It says this the angel of the Lord. Now, this is a, another way of saying the Spirit of God. So God Himself, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim. I, I read this a thousand times. Every time I come through the word Bochim, I always remember I you know I married a girl called Kim. And you know what Bokim means? Bokim means weepers, a land where they wept because God rebuked them in the land of Bokim, right? God rebuked them so the, so the Israelites wept, so they called the land Bokim. So, I, so God always says, man, if you don't have Kim in your life, you will cry. <laughs> yeah. 100% cry, all right. That's just, that's just, uh, that's just, uh, that's just something for my wife, okay? But private conversation. So you don't have Kim in your life, you cry. That's for me, okay? Other guys, you find, you find another land, find another wife. Uh, <laughs> Bokim, all right. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bokim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your forefathers, which is Abraham. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. What oh, such a good God. God will never break His covenant with you. You can take His promise and go to the bank and the bank will give you money. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land. So there's an exchange. And every covenant, there's an exchange. If you go to a, a wedding, the groom will say something and the bride will say a vow back, there's an exchange. You shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? I love it when God asks, why have you done this? As if he don't know, but he's asking you, why have you done this? He knows. God is, when God asks you, actually, why have you done this? So now God is asking you today, certain things that you have compromised in your life, why have you done this? You have disobeyed. When you live in a little disobedience, whatever the disobedience may be, God is asking you today, why have you done this? Have I not covenanted with you? Have I not loved you? Have I not been there for you? Why have you done this? Now, therefore, I tell you, that I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. That's the result of breaking the covenant. You now, sometimes people ask, why bad things happen to good Christians? Why do bad things happen to good Christians? Now, the answer, the first answer would be, well, that's because the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. But the second answer is, could it be, could it be, could it be that we broke the covenant? Trust. You know, I I like this. I like this quote only because I wrote it. (laughs) Your actions are the evidence of your covenant. How do you know you broke your covenant? How do you know you're angering God? Your actions are the evidence of your covenant. How do you know you're covenanting with the people of the land? How do you know you're covenanting with other gods? Your actions are the evidence of your covenant. What you do It's proof of who you covenant with. What you do is proof of who you covenant with. Isn't it not right? And God is saying, have you broken my covenant? Now covenant is a big word. It's such a big word. What does it mean? How have we covenanted with God? I give you a simple example. The book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua covenanted with God. He says, he told God, as for me and my house... I will serve the Lord. That is Joshua's promise to God and God says, I will always be with your family. I will always, always protect your family. If that is our covenant to God, I want to ask you, how many of us, when I say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, you say amen. If you say amen, I ask you this question. As God asks, why have you done this? Are you serving God? Number one. Number two. Is your household serving God? If your answer is no, no, then today, I told you a little fire, a little brimstone, a little fierce, but the truth, truth is uncompromising. The truth is, have you broken your covenant? Have you broken your covenant? Because if you have, then why are you saying, God, bless me. God, I want this. God, give me this. God, give me this. And God is asking you today, have you broken? your covenant, because He is a good God. He will give it to you. If you ask for bread, will He not give you bread? Will He give you stones instead of bread? He will give you bread. But God is asking, why have you done this? Why have you done this? You see, for me, in my household, I will serve the Lord. And then you say, easy for you to say, pastor, you've given your whole life to serve the Lord. I say, I know I know I'm a pastor and it's easy for me to say because I've given my life. Easy for Joshua to say. Joshua has given his whole life to serve God. Other people are farmers. Other people are cattle herders. But he, Joshua is a priest. So it's easy for him to say. True. But even way before I became a pastor, way before I became a staff, I've made up my mind at the age of 27. After 24, I, 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 I received Jesus uh, into my life. Fresh account, encounter with Jesus at 27. I said, God, I, I give my life to you. I will serve you all the days of my life. This is even before I knew I was going to be a pastor. I said, I want to serve you because you saved me, because you pulled me out of the miry clay. I want to serve you. I will serve you all the days of my life. How do I covenant with God with my family? It's very simple. You know, of course, we're all busy. We all have things to do. We're all pulled. We're all stressed. We all have work stress. We all have family stress, food stress, all stress in, in, in our life. How have I covenanted with my family with God? It's very simple. I told God four years ago, when my sons, well, or daughters at that time, or daughters, but now I know we've got two sons. When my sons are born, I will pray with my sons every day and my family every day. You Check me out. ask my wife. I would pray with them every morning before we go to church, before they go to school. I would pray. It's a very simple prayer because they're four years old and two years old, so they kind can't, of, they can't, I don't do theological words, but it's a simple prayer with two theological concepts. The blood of the Lamb will protect you and I want the Holy Spirit the blood of the lamb will protect you, and I want the Holy Spirit. Every morning, I covenanted to say, "I will do it with my family until they reach an older age. When they reach an older age, then I want to have prayer altars with my family. But right now, if I, I guarantee you, if I have prayer altars with my two-year-old son, all right, I'm not too sure I can get past the first verse. All right, he's gonna run everywhere, he's gonna scream. So I said, when when my sons are of age, I want to have prayer altars. I already know. I have certain steps for them. When my sons come of older age, at age of 12, I want to bring them to prayer altars with me in church. I do, 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old. That's my covenant with God. It says, I will serve you in this way. My pastoring is my calling, but I will serve you with my family in a different way. That's my covenant with God. You know, during the MCO, during the MCO, um, during lockdown, sometimes it feels like a thousand years ago, right? Lockdown and face mask and everything. Uh, but during the lockdown, when there's online church only and we cannot come to on-site church, how difficult was it to attend church at five o'clock on a Saturday on the dot? Was it difficult? I made that covenant with God that says, it's difficult, I know, but I will covenant with you. Every Saturday, five o'clock is my time with Jesus. Every Sunday, 11 o'clock, 8.30 is my time with Jesus. That's it. And sometimes I fail. Sometimes I tune in at 5.15, 5.30, I fail. Sometimes my kids are screaming. So I, okay, fine, God, I watch it at night when they sleep. I fail. But I always go back to say, this is my covenant with you. I want to ask you today, why have you done this? Where's your covenant? Is your covenant not your bond with Jesus? Where have you compromised in your life? that things of God are optional. Saturday, 5 o'clock, ah, it's all right. Ah, I guarantee you, the enemy will come up against you every Saturday, 5 o'clock. Every Saturday, 5 o'clock. The moment you decide that it is optional, you tell your flesh it is optional, and you don't tell your flesh, this is uncompromisable, immovable in my life. I, told, I tell myself, it is immovable, uncompromisable in my life. Even when I go for holiday, Sometimes I I tune in online because this is my covenant with God. Immovable. Uncompromisable. Because I know the moment I say five o'clock on a Saturday is optional for me, I guarantee you at 4.45 when you want to leave your house, Actually, you should leave your house at 4.15 lah. But okay, 445, you leave your house. All right. When you're 445, you leave your house. I guarantee you, your flesh will say, no it, it's raining today. It's going to be jammed, it's going to be flooded. Don't need to go. Stay at home. Watch online church. I guarantee your flesh will say, Ah, yeah, today I'm a bit tired. It's been a long week. It's been a long week. Work has been stressful. Family has been stressful. Ah, let's stay at home. I guarantee you at 4:45, you will find yourself having a fight with your family. Sure. Sure fight. Why? Because the enemy is determined to come up against you to say, this God of yours is optional. Optional God. Stay at home. Fight with your family. I tell you what. Suddenly, somebody would buy you a nice Hilton buffet dinner. Go for the dinner. Alright, go. You'd rather do that than do God. I guarantee you. Why? Because you have determined in your flesh that your covenant is no longer your bond. Your covenant is, is breakable because God is always a forgiving God. You take God for granted. And God says, I am vexed. I am angry. Who do you think I am? What kind of God do you treat me to be? Like any other gods? Like the gods of of the, in car parks, there's always altars. By the side of the road, there's altars. You treat me like that? When I want, I put even, you know, I always, there is my my condo at at the bottom, there's always this, there's this cafe called, I don't want to name the cafe, um, but this cafe, they have an altar outside the shop. I guarantee you, I even know what time they will come to clean the altar. Because I've lived there for, I lived there for 12 years. I know what time the shop owner will come, they will clean the altar, and they'll put the joysticks, they'll light it, they'll go back. The next day, same thing. They have covenanted with their God. This time, this day belongs to their God. But Christians, sometimes we fail to revere who the Lord is in our lives. We fail to have the reverential fear of God. And we say, anything la, My God is forgiving one lah. He's very gracious one lah. He's very merciful one lah. If I don't do this, it's okay one lah. I don't read today, it's okay one lah. Tuesday night prayer altar, optional lah. Fire Saturday, optional. Cell group, optional one lah. Serving God, optional one lah. He's a forgiving God. And we wonder why their faith is always stronger than Our faith. And we wonder why when the enemy comes up against you and your family, you have no weapons of warfare to fight. And God says, I am vexed. I am angry. Do not break my covenant because I guarantee you, it may be hard. But when the will of your flesh and you are determined to do the things of God, I guarantee you, God has already said it in His Word. I will not break my covenant with you. I will be with you to the ends of the age. I, My Spirit will live in you and you will be comforted by the Holy Spirit. You will be enriched by the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you and He will tell you great and unsearchable things. I've already promised this. Why won't you covenant with me? How do we vex God? When our will is weak. How do we vex God? When our trust is non-existent. Our trust is optional. And how to be vexed, God. Last point. Where's our heart? Where's the heart of the matter? Judges chapter 2, 10 to 23. is a long one. I'm going to read it all. After that, a whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. How sad is this? How sad is this? Whose fault is it? Sometimes I ask God, God, whose fault is it? Is it the older generation's fault or is it the younger generation's fault? God says, don't it's not either or. We like to work as either or. Blame the older generation why or the older generation? We blame the younger generation. God says, no, it is an end. The older generations at fault and the younger generations at fault. The older generation because you compromised your faith and the younger generation because you failed to have a relationship with God. Both are at fault and God says, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They provoked the Lord to anger. See, when God is angry, He's not angry because He just wants to be angry. He's not angry because that's His emotional state every day. No. They provoked God to anger because they forsook Him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Next. In His anger, in His vexed state against Israel, the Lord handed them over to the raiders who plundered them. He sold them to the enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Just pause at, at, at verse 14. When you covenant with God, what did God promised? I will protect you, you and your family. I protect you. But the moment you vex God and you break your covenant, God says, I will hand them, hand you over to your enemies. I no longer have my hand of protection over you. If you want to live your life, I let go. When God let go and puts you in the hands of your enemies, I guarantee you, you will be in Bokim. You will cry. You will weep because it's painful. It's a painful lesson to learn. I know there's some parts of my life when I say, I want to do it my way. God, I want to do it my way. I was young. I was 17. I want to do it my way. Because okay, you want to do it your way? You do it your way. It's a painful lesson to learn. One day I'll share it. Verse 15. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as He had to them, they were in great distress. Whenever we want to fight against the enemy, when you break your covenant with God, whenever you want to come up against your enemy, whatever your enemy may be, God says, The hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Because we are not covenanted to the Lord. We are covenanted to the things of the world. We're covenanted to the evils of our flesh. We're covenanted to the idols and the gods of this world. We are covenanted with, with Instagram. We're covenanted with our app games. We will play more Candy Crush. Sorry, Candy Crush is the only app that I know that's popular, all right? That everybody that I know everybody knows. If I name you some other uh, uh, random ones, I know you'll be looking at me funny. So I'm not picking on the Candy Crush players, okay? You're rather confident, we can't, you, 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 you can't wait to play. But we, you drag your feet to church. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them. Yet they will not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. How sad is this? Yet they will not listen to their judges. Yet you will not listen to God. Yet you will not listen to the priest. Yet you will not listen to the pastors. Yet you will not listen to your leaders. And you prostitute yourself after the other gods. Verse 19. When the judge died, this is the saddest part, the people returned to their ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers. Following other gods and serving them and worshipping them, even more corrupt. They didn't even maintain their corruptness. If you maintain your corruptness, at least you're consistent. You have determination to maintain your, your corruptness. They did. They went... Down and down and down. There's a Chinese as a saying, right? It's a spiral. Chinese saying: Your your riches don't last to the fourth generation, right? You squander, you squander your inheritance, you squander, you squander until the fourth generation, nothing left. You could be a billionaire, nothing left in the fourth generation. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel. I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left. I will use them to test Israel. See, why doesn't God drive them out? I will use them to test Israel, to see whether they will keep the ways of the Lord. Sometimes we ask our lives, ourselves in our lives, God, why are you testing me? God, why is it so painful? God, why is the struggle so long? I've been praying for a thousand years. Why have I not seen deliverance? God says, I will use them to test you, whether you will keep my covenant or not. I will use them to test you. Are you faithful to the Lord or not? I will use them to test you. Do you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and all your strength? See, how do we vex God? What is the problem here? It is our heart. See, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. At the end of the day, why did Israel do more evil and more evil? It is the problem of your heart. God can save you on the outside. But if your heart never changed, you do more evil. That's why in the book of Deuteronomy, God says, circumcise your heart. Consecrate your heart. Give me your heart. And you will lead a covenanted life with God. You see, sometimes I ask God, God, the Israelites worship Baal and Ashtoreth." You know Ashtoreth is the god of war in, in those times. is the god of war. But when war fell over them and war came over them, They did not abandon their gods. They worshipped their gods even more. They worshipped their gods even more. Why couldn't they come out of it? Why couldn't they see when God used a judge to save them, why couldn't they wake up and see that it is God that saved? Why do they go back even more corrupt? I ask God all the time. And the answer is always the same. It's the problem of your heart. You see, there's a modern day meme. There's a modern day saying that encapsulates all this. It's this. I eat because I'm depressed. I'm depressed because I eat. Get out of it. Snap out of it. But I eat. I'm depressed, so I eat. So you know, some people, I don't know. I don't know who. I'm not picking on you. I don't know your life. You eat because you're depressed. Oh, so food gives you endorphins in your brain. You eat more and more chocolate. And then you put on weight. And then you, you have breakouts. And then you have health problems. And then you get more depressed because you've got health problems. And then when you get depressed, what do you do? You eat to get out of the depression. And then it goes in a cycle and cycle and you go down and you spiral down and down and down. And, and sometimes you ask, sometimes we go, when the intervention, we will save you. Okay, the family members will save you. No more food, we cut off your food supplies. Do fasting, we force you to do fasting, all right? Dieting, whatever it is, we force it to you. But when it, the one month is over, the three months is over, you go back to eating because you're depressed. And you're depressed because you eat. I drink alcohol because I'm stressed. I'm stressed because I drink alcohol. It's the same thing. You can't get out of it. I work because I'm validated by my accomplishment. I'm validated by my accomplishment because I work. It's the same cycle. And when somebody pulls you out of the miry clay, when God used a judge to save you, to to say, hey, stop drinking alcohol. I tell you what, I'm going to take it away. Stop doing drugs. Stop smoking. Stop doing crazy things and the church leaders, a pastor will come and pray for you and we will confiscate all the the bad things away. For a month, you'll be fine. For two months, you'll be fine. But your heart still wants. See, we can't change our hearts. I, I can't change your heart, I can't change, I can only change my heart. But if your heart does not change and does not yearn after God, you will go back to your sins again and again. And again, why can't we get out of porn? Why some men can't get out of adultery? Why? Because it's the problem of the heart. Why some people can't stop working? Why some people can't stop cleaning? Why some people can't stop gossiping? Why can't some people can't stop lying? Why? Why can't some people can't stop shopping? I shop because I need to be validated. I need to be validated, so I shop. I shop. look good, I look good because I shop. They go round and round and round and round and then you have $15,000 in credit card debt. We save you. We get rid of your credit card debt and you go back shopping again and again. It's the problem of the heart. And God is asking you today, where is your heart? Where is your heart? I want to save you. Where is your heart? You know, I In my season in this 2022, I speak to the younger. I speak to the next gen. My heart cries for you. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Do you love him? Or do you not? Says, God, I, I love, I love. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Seven hours on Instagram. Six hours talking to your friend. I love you. But God says, if you love me, you will obey me where is your obedience your actions are the evidence of your covenant if there is no fruit of obedience in your life then you can cry i love you i love you nothing nothing that's it that's it that's all it is and god says you provoke me to anger do we want to provoke him to anger so church what's my point today like it or not we're all humans, we all fail. Like it or not, but we want to try. Why? This is the why. How do we try? How do we succeed? This is how. It's not in my slides, so forgive me. Judges chapter 2, verse 6. I love this verse, it says, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, They went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. You see, why was God so angry with the people? Because the land is their inheritance. That's your inheritance that God has given you. Are you going to squander it? Or are you going to invest it? I want you to imagine, old and young, The older generation here, I'm sure you've got inheritance to give to the next generation. Your sons and your daughters, I'm sure you have inheritance. How many of us here says, I want to give my inheritance, but it doesn't matter if my sons squander it? No. You want to protect it. You want to make sure your legacy survives. Of course, it's only natural. If your inheritance is a property, you want to make sure your son looks after the property. If your inheritance is a million dollars, you want to make sure it's not a million dollars spent on alcohol. That's it. It's only natural. And next gen how many of us say oh i want my inheritance thank you very much <laughs> you know my life will be much easier thank you very much but how many of us can safely say that we will not squander our inheritance that is only earthly inheritance how much more spiritual inheritance see the israelites why was god so angry with them they squandered their inheritance the next gen how old you are, you are still next-gen, okay? You could be 80, you could be 8, you're next-gen, all right? To God, you're always next-gen. God is timeless, all right? To God, you're always next-gen. You squandered your inheritance. So God was angry, God was vexed. Hey, come on, I brought you out of Egypt. I gave you the land. This land belongs to your enemy, I gave it to you. This, it belongs to you. Grape, milk and honey, what do you want? Houses, I give you. cattle, I give you. Farm, I give you. Food, I give you. Children, I give you everything. Protection, I give you wealth. I give you position, power. I give you everything. These are your inheritance. Why did you squander it? Why have you done this? But today, is land our inheritance? Is land our inheritance? No. If land is our inheritance, I hope I'll be a very rich person. Land is not our inheritance. All right, we still have to buy land. What is our inheritance? First Peter. God tells you what your inheritance is. And God is asking you today, are you squandering it? Or you investing in it. First Peter, forgive me, I have no slides. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoiled or fade, kept in heaven for you. We have been given a new birth into a living hope and God has given you a spiritual inheritance that can never perish, that death can never spoil, that can never fade. The salvation of your soul, the Zoe life that God has put in you, that is your inheritance. That is our inheritance and God is asking you today, are you squandering it? Is your life squandering your inheritance away? Because you could have lived life full of joy. You could have lived life full of peace. You could have lived life full of the power of God. You could have lived life full of the power of healing. But God is saying, are you squandering your inheritance away? Who through faith, we are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So we don't get our inheritance until the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. See, God tested the Israelites back then. God is still testing you today. We suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but God gives us hope. Why? What is our living hope? These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, gold perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Why does He put you through the fire? So that when you come out from the other side, your life is purified, holy, worth by God. And God says, only when you have gone through the fire and your life is purified that you deserve to have your inheritance of God. And that's why we go through trials. And that's why we sing, Hallelujah, praise be to the God who saved me. And that's why we sing, how great the chasm, how great the the distance between me and God. But in the silence of the night, I yell out Jesus Christ and He came to save me. Israel never have what we have. When Israel squandered their inheritance, God used the enemies to overrun them, to make them slaves, to to, to captive them. That's Israel. But we have a greater inheritance because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our judge. The judge that sits on the throne. And that judge governs our life and he is our military commander to win the battles for us. And because that judge sits on the throne, the only question left is do you want to partner with the judge or not? Because if you partner with the judge, the judge then becomes the military commander to fight the battles for you and he will win. But if you fight the judge, if you fight Jesus Christ, if you squander your inheritance, if you squander your covenant and break it, then the judge, Will come upon your life and the judge will judge you and put you through the test of fire to prove whether you love him or you don't love him. I end my sermon with this Do you want to renew your covenant in Christ Jesus? I preached a sermon earlier this year renew your covenant but that sermon was full of the hope of the covenant. That sermon was full of how God is going to save you, how God is going to bless you. That sermon was full of blessing and hope, renewing the covenant. This sermon is a lot more sober. Do you want now to renew your covenant? Because covenant takes two. God will promise, but we will also promise. So I want to give an altar call today. If you could just all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I'm not asking you to come on forward today but I want you to make a stand. I want you to take a stand in your spiritual life for two reasons. For your own spiritual health and for the health of your sons and your daughters, your next gen. That you will covenant with God and I will never break my covenant. I don't want to break my covenant. And Jesus, you are my living hope. Will you come and save me? Will you come and be with Will you strengthen me, Father God? So I finish the race and I fight the good fight and I run the good race all the way to the end. I want to covenant with the living hope that is Jesus Christ. This covenant was greater than Israel. The second new covenant of Jesus Christ. He has already won the battle for you. So if you want a covenant, I want to pray for you. And I'm, all I'm asking you to do is stand in the presence of God. I will count to three. If you want a covenant with God, it's only between you and God, all eyes are closed. If you want a covenant with God, all you do is you stand in His presence today and I want to pray for you and we will sing the song, Living Hope. One, two, three. We you stand in this place? I want to pray for you and then we'll sing the song. You can still close your eyes because this is a private moment between you and God. This is the moment where you tell God, I am sorry for the things that I've made it. I'm sorry I broke your covenant a thousand times. I repent, just like Israel. They repented and God has compassion on Israel. If God has compassion on Israel without Jesus Christ, how much will He have compassion on us when we have Jesus Christ? Father God, I repent. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Father God, that all of us here, we stand in your presence with a heart of repentance before you to say, God, I've compromised my faith. I've made you optional. I've made church optional. I've made my spirituality optional. I've made prayer optional. I've made reading the Word of God optional. God, forgive. Forgive. I repent before you, Father God. I renew my covenant before you. I renew my covenant before you. Just like the Israelites, when Joshua asked, will you serve the Lord? We say, yes. We will serve you because we love you. And if we love you, we will obey you. Father Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Father God, that all of us standing in your presence here today, we renew our covenant before you. We raise our hands towards the heavens to say, God, I am yours and you are mine. You are my living hope, Lord Jesus Christ. Out of the silence of the night, I call out your name, Jesus, and you came to rescue me. Out of the silence of the grave, the Lion of Judah roared over my life. Father God, I am covenanted with you, and I will not compromise my faith. My faith is not optional. My faith is priority. Thank you, Jesus. Just a repeat after me and then we'll sing a song. Jesus, Jesus, I love, you. I, love you. I covenant with you. I covenant with you. Covenant with me. I, covenant with me. I, want, to I, want, I want to obey you. I don't want to compromise. Want compromise. You, are you are not optional. You are my priority. You are my priority. I will do church. Do I will pray. I will pray. I will read the word of God. I will read the word of God. And I will have prayer altars. And have prayer altars in, my life. in my life. I love you, Lord. I love you, Renew Lord. your covenant Renew with, with, me. You, with me. Forgive me. Forgive Thank me. You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen, church. Father God, indeed. Our inheritance is Jesus Christ our inheritance will never perish will never fade will never go away father god because jesus christ you are our living hope father lord jesus help us all today to never Never, ever squander our salvation. Never squander our inheritance. Never squander what Jesus Christ had done for me. Father God, if Jesus Christ had taken the penalty of death for me, then who am I, Father Lord Jesus, to spit in His face? Who am I to break His covenant? Who am I to say no to Jesus? Who am I to say Jesus is optional? You are not optional, Father God. Jesus be the centre of my life. Jesus be number one in my life. Jesus be the priority of my life. Everything flows from and through and to Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father God, that you are our living hope. So Father Lord Jesus, help us when we leave this place today, strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds, strengthen our souls and strengthen our spirits to keep our covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. Shine your favour upon us, Father God. May your face always watch our going in and going out. Father Lord Jesus, thank you for your hand of protection over all of us in Jesus name we pray amen 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 amen